Thank you for tuning in to Game Investing Radio. Season 4, Episode 1, The Goodwill Zelda. So today, let's talk about the Zelda that just went off at shopgoodwill.com. Um, let's talk about what we know. Maybe some rumors after that. And then I guess we can end with some takeaways that I've been thinking about over the last 48 hours because a lot of information has come out. And I think it's time to drop this. But based on an article on actionnetwork.com by Darren Ravel, the ex-ESPN analyst that uh, tweeted months ago, or I can't remember if it was last year or early this year that he's all into graded video games and he got into uh, some sports titles and WADA. And uh, I think he was pumping NBA Jam. But I noticed that he's been writing a lot of um, press for the graded video game space. So shout out to Dern for writing this article. Um, so let's talk about what we know. Um, it looks like we can now say that the final price was $411,000, 278 And... According to the Facebook and Instagram posts from Eric Nyerman, who runs VVG Investment Club out of Florida, um, they are the buyer or he is the buyer. It says collector in the article, um, but he uses the word we. And uh, I don't know if he's talking about the hobby or his group of investors, but they're saying that we thought the market, quote unquote, was around 600000 for this item. Um, so the other thing that we know is that it's probably a second print Zelda. It also has some price sticker residue. It's sealed. The back of it has an H seam ceiling. You can go to shopgoodwill.com and click on, uh, click on, um, let me do that right now. Shop, shopgoodwill.com. And then you type up in the upper right, advanced search. And then I just typed in Zelda under keywords and then click on closed auctions. That's the key. After you run a search there, um, you can click on the pull down and sort by highest price. And then it comes up because there's actually quite a few Zelda items that have gone off. But after the 411,000, the highest was like 821 for a GameCube. Then there was a bundle for 669. So nothing touched four or five figures. This was an anomaly. 145 bids. This is according to Goodwill's website. So I'm going to consider this stuff that we know. 145 bids. High bidder says capital E with asterisks and then an N. So that could be Eric Nyerman, um, you know, first and last, based on first and last. Um, bid increments are a dollar. So that that explains all the action. The seller was Goodwill of Western and Northern Connecticut. It ended on August 18th, 2021 at about uh, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Now, according to the article by Darren Ravel, and it looks like he did interview Eric. So some of this stuff is coming in quotes. Um, Eric says in the interview i think the box would get an eight or an eight five so if you look at the pictures on goodwill they did a good job on close-ups 
I'm looking at the first picture and you see some bending at the top of the box. There's some price sticker residue in the upper um, top of the box. You do, you do see a hang tab. And if you flip to the, uh, the picture of the back, there's a plastic hang tab there, which looks pretty cool. Um, as far as the edges of the box, there is wear. I see some, you know, corner, what do you call it? Bending in the box as well as maybe, you wouldn't call them dings, but slight imperfections, basically shelf wear from it being handled. And, you know, there's no major, major crushing, but I, when I did my own grading yesterday on this, I said eight, you know, B plus is what I was thinking because there's the sticker there. And, um, I don't know if that is a value add. That's something that could get removed and fixed. So maybe you could squeak out an 8.5 A if you're, uh, you know, having a great day at the grader. But I was thinking more A. I was thinking A, B plus as it stood in the auction raw because I'm seeing some denting and wear um, all over the place, not just one or two, but I don't know. Maybe it is an 8.5. You know, I'm not a professional grader. I can do cards quite well, but um, games, I'm still learning. I'm not really sure how many imperfections you can have before you start dropping down, you know, from 9.8, You know, I'm thinking it's two or three imperfections per grade drop. So maybe, you know, maybe under a scope, this doesn't have 10 imperfections. It's hard to say. The beautiful thing it does have across the back is the H seam which uh, I love to see, even though that can be faked. We've seen on social media people saying that, you know, you can fake an H seam, but I've always felt for all the games I've handled over my career that, um, you know, I really gravitate towards the H seam ceiling. So it is a beautiful piece, especially on Goodwill. This is unbelievable. This is, as far as I know, the highest raw sealed or CIB or any video game that I've seen in the market in about 15 months, I guess. Um, as far as public, you know, auction sites, there might be private trades in the half million or more range. I don't know that. I'm not um, that well connected to the old guard. But I would have to say in our new modern market, let's say, you know, post Pawn Stars Mario late 2019, that this is the heaviest hitting, biggest raw video game sale we've seen. And... Um, and it's amazing that it happened on Goodwill. So congratulations to Eric and his investment club for picking up a piece that, um, you know, after the $800,000 sale at Heritage, it's looking like second print Zeldas are going to be the Holy Grails because we don't believe the first prints are going to come out. Um, there's one... And those are called Zelda TMs, if you didn't know. Those are first print Zelda, and usually we're talking about the box. The TM or the R appears on the front bottom of the box in the middle after Nintendo Entertainment System, and that's going to be your tell. And then right to the right of that, under the round circle seal, you're going to either see nothing or a red Rev A. And I do believe the, uh, the tweet that was shot off earlier today by golden auctions um threw up this zelda at goodwill for 411 to the left and to the right they threw up a wada 9a 
and I do believe it's third print because it has the Reve at the bottom. So that's not the same game that went off at Heritage and went off at Goodwill two days ago. That would be a later print. I do believe it's third print, but Zelda is complicated. There's up to 880 combinations if you include every single box cartridge and manual. In, in other words, imperfects or IMPs. Um, before we get to the rumors, was there any other factual information we can share in the, in the uh, interview? Um, you know, they mentioned TM coming before R. And, oh, here's a nice little nugget. At the end of the article, they mentioned that, here's another thing that we've been talking about is someone donated this, right? And the question is, did they donate it for a tax benefit? And can they write this off as an individual, assuming it was an individual or married couple or partnership, domestic partnership in the right state, I'm assuming, um, and the right tax bracket and the you know high income tax state as an individual, a married couple or partnership, I do believe you could write off up to half of your uh, of your donation at market value. So I assume a tax lawyer or CPA is going to get involved at this point. And a lot of people are crying for the donators saying, oh my God, they lost 400 grand. But what if it was a wealthy donor? that was tax savvy and knew that they could uh, get press on this, which which makes the market price 411 or right here in the article, Eric is saying 600,000. So, you know, can you argue this is a $600,000 donation or a half million dollar donation? That's a, that's a quarter million dollar tax benefit that could wipe out, um, you know, all of your income if you're making well, it can't wipe out all of your income. Excuse me. I think the new rule is half. So let's say you're making a half a million. Maybe it could wipe out a quarter of that. So, you know, if you're paying, if you're paying uh, 50% taxes or in the high 40s, if you're in a high tax bracket, you're in a high tax income state, you're, you're in the United States of America, you're an honest taxpayer, you're paying all your taxes. Um, if this is somewhere between four and $600,000 charitable donation, at market value, and I am not a professional tax advisor. This is all my opinion. Um, I guess you could save definitely six figures, if not two or three hundred thousand dollars off your tax bill. So you put that money right into your pocket. Um, sure, they could have auctioned off the item themselves or send it to Heritage and all this, um, but it looks like you know, it looks like this might bring more people into the market, which is my opinion, than one of the higher profile heritage auctions or a good, uh, a golden, you know, I'm, I'm thinking this should get more press. I haven't seen any press yet, but, uh, you know, why isn't local news channels picking this up when I Google Zelda and uh, goodwill, it's all the, uh, last, the last auction that I don't even want to talk about because I don't, I don't know much about what happened, but, um, that was a whole nother story, which brings me to the rumors. So the rumors on the 411, I'm looking right now at shopgoodwill.com, so I can confirm there was 145 bids. And somebody on Instagram kindly um, sent me a screenshot of bidding. And I can confirm that this is a screenshot. I can't confirm where it came from. 
I assume it's legit. The screenshot showed. Um, let me grab my phone. The screenshot showed quite a bit of bidding at the top end, and I threw it up on Instagram. Josh, shout out up there in Portland where I used to live and started my whole deep rabbit hole dive into uh, graded games. Um, he did say that he saw bidding up in the $3 million range. I posted the screenshot. It's It shows a bidder that starts with a capital K and then ends with a Y. So I don't quite understand this because whoever KY was, they bid 1.7, 1.75, 1.82, and then $3 million. Below him, there's another bidder that starts with a C and ends with an S that bid 270, 280. Now, what's strange is I don't see EN, which I'm assuming is Eric Nyerman. He does not show up in this screenshot. So that's why I'm calling this a rumor. I don't know exactly what happened. And the reason I'm calling this a rumor as well is because of the PWCC scandal that we're going through over the last couple of weeks and um, all the information that's coming out there. And philosophically, what is shill bidding? You know, is, is shill bidding? So we can start getting into the takeaways. Is shill bidding? someone that's directly um, either related or employee or business partner of the entity or individual placing the bids or is shill bidding that person only or is shill bidding that person's accounts like for example i have a couple ebay accounts you know one for buying one for selling uh, my family has one and we have a, another dormant account that uh, we never use um so, you know, the same family, I'm talking about like blood family or married family, they could have multiple accounts. So when you look at PWCC or you look at an investment group or you look at a hedge fund, where does the shill bidding morality or rule or law or I don't even think there is laws because, uh, you know, let's talk about LIBOR, let's talk about Wall Street, you know, oil prices, supply and demand, pump and dump, Fed printing money. I mean, there's all things you can talk about aside from money laundering and shill bidding. So I don't really think it's that serious, but I guess somebody's going to have to draw a line between eBay and PWCC. And um, I think the response I heard was nobody that works at PWC placed bids. But I assume that there was obviously some sort of bidding activity that took place. I guess the accounting word that we use in tax accounting a lot is arm's length. Like, for example, you are allowed to rent your house to your corporation for a couple weeks a year and get a nice massive tax benefit for a corporate retreat. That sounds like something you can't do if you're the average person paying your taxes. But you can do stuff like that. There's crazy things you can do, like write off your jet or your yacht or or your Aspen house for corporate retreats to your corporation at arm's length. So there's things and 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 things in the tax code that allow you to do things at arm's length. And the reason is it's not the same individual or entity because maybe you own the house, but you and two other business partners own the corporation. The corporation pays the uh, individual. And it's an arm's length transaction that qualifies for a tax deduction. So, 
you know, I come from taxes. I come from sports cards where there's all kinds of aggressive behavior, anything from trimming to counterfeits. And that's why grading really started was counterfeits. It wasn't about um, grading. It was about certification and authentication. And I threw that up on Instagram last year and got a lot of hate. You know, I said grading is not just grading. It's authentication. It's certification and grading. And grading is just a small piece of that. So really, what we're talking about is ethics and morality in the industry. We know WADA is number one by far. They set the bar. They said no employees can sell games. You know, can we, here in the peanut gallery, is it up to us to decide what is arm's length? Can you do arm's length buy and sell? Can you do reselling? You know, CGC just hired Matt. I want to talk about that later. But um, we're all talking about arm's length stuff, you know. and. Um, I think it's okay for people that work at WADA to buy as many games as they want. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that at all. But if you're working there and you're grading your own games and then flipping them and getting a salary from WADA and getting paid from eBay or Heritage, that to me is a little more than arm's length. So I think that's what we're talking about with PWCC, the shill bidding there or the alleged shill bidding there. And then obviously at Goodwill, something happened. I see a screenshot here of you know, million dollar bids. Maybe it was just one bidder playing around. It could have been a kid. It could have been, you know, who knows? Back in the day on eBay, a lot of kids were bidding. And we had, you know, non-paying bidders left and right in the early years of eBay. That was normal. We didn't think that was shill bidding or anything. Um, so I'm going to give uh, Goodwill the benefit of the doubt for, for confirming this, or at least Darren, you know, I hope Darren contacted Goodwill. I'm going to give Action Network the benefit of the doubt. Um, I think this is a good thing for the hobby. I think raising these questions is a good thing for the hobby. I think reminding ourselves that this is about certification, authentication, and grading. And, and when we're talking about auction platforms, we can't police everything. We can't control every bidder. Um, I think it's up to each and every one of us to come up with our own line of what is an arm's length transaction. I applaud Eric and VVG Club for admitting and posting that, um, you know, Hey, I'm raising my hand. I'm disclosing that I'm the buyer, whether that's your club, yourself, at least you're putting a face to the bid. I applaud that. I love full disclosure and 100% transparency. Um, we really need to know who bought the $2 million Mario, the 1.56 uh, Super Mario 64. You know, these things are really important. Um, if we're going to move towards that investment, you know, SEC regulated rally type, uh, platform where you've got all your books and accounting and and it's full open and you can pull up any public company you want on the stock exchange and drill down to their tax benefits their deductions where their money comes from what they're paying out you know stuff like that and i think the more transparency there is in the hobby more people will get involved in the way i look at it the more people that come in the more new money there is the bull will keep running it's as simple as that supply and demand is one thing but what I've learned over the last 15 months is that if new money keeps coming in, the bull will keep running. So what is the takeaway? The takeaway from today is, hey, let's look at the good side. Let's let's look at the good that happened from this. And on Goodwill's side, quote unquote, Goodwill said the sale of the Zelda will allow Goodwill to open a career center in Stamford, Connecticut. Now, I heard a lot of negativity about the Goodwill Board of 
directors running around on a private jet and and uh you know spending a lot of money making a lot of money and and donate to uh, salvation army instead but let me ask you this if this got auctioned off by salvation army would it have done four hundred thousand dollars would this have hit you know the news and all that so you know with the higher salaries and the higher exposure the higher marketing budgets yeah i mean goodwill is the leader in um charitable donations so let's look at the bright side this could create jobs it will create jobs and i think that's a good thing and i'm hoping that the donor got a massive tax benefit or at least you know at least something to talk about for the rest of their life um something to brag about that that wasn't showy but a kind act um i think donating is wonderful because of the irs code and the able to the ability to write that off and that drives a lot of philanthropy and and that's where everybody goes everybody goes there after they make their billions and do their ipo and create their company sell it out they all go to uh donations and setting up foundations and charitable uh charitable vehicles and it's all about the tax benefits so i'm hoping that that's something we can take away is that yes someone might have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars but maybe they didn't maybe they saved hundreds of thousands of dollars on taxes and i'm always giving that takeaway is that before you make a move before you deposit a check before you buy something expensive before you take a trip before you make a donation check with your tax advisor and ask him how can we maximize this move and and that's so different than doing moves and then you know calling up your cpa once a year he's working for you the whole year you pay him to maybe do your taxes once a year but he is under your uh you know he's under your umbrella he's he you're his client you're not his customer you're his client for life basically because switching is so difficult with things like depreciation and all that so make sure you reach out to your to tax advisor cpa tax lawyer whatever and make you know consultations before you make moves and that's that's really the takeaway today um you know a simple meeting with the tax advisor where do you think this will land can we do market value if it comes in below market value can we write off market value can we write off the 500 600,000 do we need a receipt after the sale and all that stuff um to to run by the tax advisor and the last takeaway that I was thinking about on the drive over to the new office which by the way if you didn't notice um we're set up near silicon valley near the birth of star wars near the birth of gaming near the birth of apple computer that started in atari on a 3 to 4 day bender developing super breakout um reducing the chips on the board from 140 to like 40 steve wozniak is a genius and uh steve jobs managed that they got mono they left they left atari and they and they built the first quote unquote silicon valley computer you know made in usa made in silicon valley made in northern california i mean this is where gaming came from so i'm on a mic you know a stone's throw from from there and this is game investing so let's talk about the real takeaway the real takeaway here is the shift in the market and there's two big shifts in the market that i've seen the first one i'll i'll mention real quick and that is people are buying games they never played okay people are buying games they never played people are buying games they never played they're buying very expensive games they've never bought games in their life as far as graded games i'm talking about heavy hitting high grade graded sealed games people are buying games they never played think about that how is that different from the last 30 years well the last 30 years it was all about 
rare good games that people played. Games were meant to be played. Let's go, you know, let's go seek out the rare cool titles that everybody played or the cool titles that we couldn't all play because we couldn't get the cartridge like a bonks or a a, a peak or a panic you know um those get the most respect in the old hobby but the new hobby is is moving beyond game investing to really collecting investing and and thinking about portfolios and putting together collections with exit strategies in mind and that's exactly why i started this thing is because i think the difference between collecting and investing mindset is collecting you just start buying stuff but investing you think about putting together something that you're going to do something with that could be selling it all out that could be selling the heritage that could be putting it in a bank vault and giving it to your family one day i mean that's a lot different than just putting games on a shelf and and trying to fill holes in a in a master set or something so i think the takeaway here on this on the game investing side is that people are buying games they never played and then on these heavy hitting games that everybody did play and everybody knows about this is the other side of the coin the Zeldas, the Marios, the heavy-hitting SM64 that went off for 1.56. How much is that going to sell for next year? Two? You know, it's not going to sell for $15 million. Um, The SMB that went off for $2 million, is that going to sell for $10 million next year? No. Would it have if you bought it uh, 2019 Pawn Stars Mario? You, pay, you know, you bought that for hundred grand. You walk into Pawn Stars, you're asking a million. The whole hobby thinks you're lunatics. Um, you're actually geniuses because you see the future. You see that 10X is a no-brainer. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the shift between the investing mindset expecting 10X or 1,000% on investment, ROI. I'm talking about 1,000% from, let's say, November 2019 to December 2020, something like that. You can get 1,000% on your investment. I just put up my uh, fractional share little position in uh, Mario and I got 1500% profit if you annualize the four month 500% gain. We are spoiled. We have been spoiled. For people that are in this market in 2020, we are spoiled. We are seeing numbers we may never see again. The only way to react to this is gratitude. If you got in early and you saw a 10x, gratitude, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's really all that matters. This may never come again. And that's what I'm taking away from Eric and BVG Club because I've, I've full disclosure, I've tried to buy the SMB one that went off for $2 million with Eric and other investors and they brushed me off saying, you know, we can't get it low enough. They weren't willing to pay $1 million and sell it for two. They wanted to see 3, 4, 5x, 10x. And uh, let's see, two, what, one month later? The same guy is changing his tune. He's whistling a new tune because he says in writing right here, he paid 411 and he says, quote unquote, we thought the market was around 600 for this. Okay, we're not talking about fixing the sticker or great. I'm assuming he's talking about in that condition. So I'm not talking about value add here. I'm talking about investing 400,000 and flipping it for six, which is what? 33% gain overnight. Which, you know, if you're a little flipper and you're buying stuff for 100 and you're selling it for 133, 
you're going to you're going to be grinding. I've done that. That's a hard life to buy stuff for 50 and flip it for 70 or 80. That's a hard life. Um I have met very few people that have broke out, you know, into this the six figures net flipping, reselling. I don't know why we get so much hate in this industry, but show me someone that's making any money reselling. Um you really got to be investing holding and getting that 2x that 3x that 5x so here we have the one of the leading investors in the world for video games he is satisfied i guess is what i'm going to use at 33% short term let's say he he fixes this and it goes to if it's an 8.5 he gets an 8.5a back let's say that values out at i don't know 7 8 maybe um if the golden goes off well, let's say everything goes great. That's not double. That's not double. And that is a massive shift in game investing. That is a really, really big shift. These are intelligent people. They're loaded. They have tax advisors. They probably have lawyers. They have entities. They're using LLCs. They know what they're doing. And if they're if they're cutting back expectation from two, three, four, five X to, you know, what are we talking? 80%, 60%, five, you know, 10 times less of an expectation on the ROI side. We are talking a massive shift in the market that means all kinds of things like games are drying up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. People are flooding in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can go on and on and on about the implications of being, you know, lowering expectations on the ROI side as investor. So you know what uh, Hopper says, try something new. Just like VVG tried something new today. They tried a new form of investing. They brought down expectations. They're getting real about the new market. Do that enough times, get through enough uh, pain, hardships, and speed bumps, and you can become a master.